0: Greetings, friends and family of Rocky River United Methodist Church. Uh, I am Paul Bennett, Associate Pastor, here with Stephen Young, Director of Youth Ministries, uh, to dive into another episode of the RRUMC podcast. Uh, As uh, those who have been frequent uh, flyers with us over the last month or so know, uh, we just uh, wrapped up a series on uh, Bible study, digging into God's Word and, and discovering some of the different ways you can... Uh, Break down the Bible and and Bible passages into different layers and and understand it from different angles and different contexts And uh, we had a lot of fun diving into that, but that was uh, a a very Stephen and I felt a very heavy and a very heady um, Study for the last few weeks. So as we were uh, brainstorming possibilities for for this week and beyond uh, We decided to, to lighten things up a bit so we're going to, uh, both this week and next week, talk about animals from the Bible. Animals from the Bible. And uh, I'm not sure uh, where your mind's going right now and what exactly you're gonna expect uh, us to do in the next few weeks, and neither are we, which makes this all the more exciting. Uh, but, but the goal is, uh, Stephen and I are each gonna offer some uh, thoughts on the specific animals in the Bible, some, some passages, references, To them and uh, what is their meaning what is the significance of that animal why does God use them and and what is he trying to communicate to us uh, through the way that they appear and and, uh, the place that they play uh, the role that they play in the passages that they appear in so without further ado I know you're on the edges (coughs) of your seats uh, anticipating what animal number one is going to be and I'm right there with you because Stephen uh, in fact, has animal number one. So where are you going to take us, Stephen?
1: Yes, welcome. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to be doing animals. It's going to be a lot of fun. And the first one is um, the cute and cuddly poo bear or bears. <laughs> Actually, poo bears does not show up in the Bibles. just in case you didn't know. Um, but we're going to talk about bears. <clears throat> bears are not mentioned very much in the Bible, only about seven times. And each time they're mentioned, it's slightly. they all have slightly different meanings. Sadly enough, bears in the Holy Land don't exist anymore. Um, They were identified as um, bears from Syrian, Syrian bears, which they still survive in Syria and Persian Turkey, but not in the Holy Land near Israel. Um, Actually, just kind of tidbit, a lot of the animals, at least I've studied or read here, some don't exist in the Holy Land anymore. Um, These bears (laughs) can grow as high as six feet uh, and weigh up to 500 pounds so they're they're big um, biblical times the bears were threats to vineyards and herds of sheep and goats um, it was one of the two largest and strongest beasts of prey in the area other than lions um, so the bears and lions were mentioned together a lot um, they're actually mentioned together several times in scripture and one of the most um, best examples of bears and and um, lions mentioned together is First Samuel chapter 17 um, where it talks about David would watch the sheep um, and when a lion or a bear would come and carry off a sheep he would strike it and kill it um, and, and rescue the sheep from its mouth um, and David used his ability to kill both lion and bear um, as that was David's confidence in facing Goliath because he was able to kill, kill a lion and a bear which side note that is pretty crazy um, that he could kill, kill a lion and a bear I don't I know I don't have that ability Paul you have that ability to kill a lion and a bear
0: uh, it only happened to me once Steven.
1: <laughs> once right <laughs> <laughs> two stuffed animals probably Right. Um, <laughs> so um, that was David's motivation for his strength That he could face Goliath Um, but also ancient Israel has had a good understanding of um, a mother bear and her protection of her cubs which we we understand today that you don't want to get between a mother bear and her cubs that's very dangerous Um, and that that understanding um, there's an understanding of that in ancient times as well there are several illustrations used of a mother bear and her cubs in scripture one of them is um, Proverbs 17, verse 22. It says, Let a man meet a she bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. Um, so it's was just saying that it's <laughs> a fool in his folly. <clears throat> could be more dangerous than a she bear and her cubs, which breaking down that verse, <laughs> we'll do another time. But I was just <laughs> kind of saying the foolishness. Um, to be a fool is just foolishness, um, essentially, in a very extreme way. The Bible is talking about that. Um, on occasions, they attack people. And they, um, so in Amos chapter 5, verse 19, they're kind of described as attacking people. And once they are actually, um, Elijah puts a curse on a few people who are insolent toward God. Um, and bears came and attacked them. Second um, Kings chapter 2, verse 24. Benny, if, if you have any questions questions about that passage, just e- make sure you email Paul and he will answer all those questions about that passage
0: happily yeah, <laughs> it 's a, it's a doozy of a passage right
1: yeah. um, The bear is used as a metaphor for um, activity for wicked and for wicked things, and also uh, a bear can be described of god 's hatred for sin, so um, sometimes the bears are. Described as like, um, as being cruel or insensitive or self-seeking without spiritual conscience, And then also talks about God's um, wrath being described as as a bear roaring against sin. So um, those are kind of examples of bears. They're not mentioned a ton, but um, again, they were one of the top predators during that time period, um, the bears and the lions. So Paul, what do you got for us?
0: Yeah, it's interesting to uh, consider that um, the, the Holy Land as we see it today might uh, be drastically different than it was all those years ago. And uh, even mm-hmm. the, the animals, the you know, maybe the, the flora, the fauna, uh, you think about the the climate, all of those things very much could have changed the, the uh, structure of the landscape, the, the rocks and uh, mountains. Um, there's a potential that so many of those things have changed, which makes our Ability to connect with Bible times even more difficult, but it makes our, our, our research all the more important. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I knew the the story about uh, bears and in, in um, where's the Elijah passage? That's from yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I was aware of that one, but I didn't. I had not <laughs> thought of other stories of bears, but yeah, David, uh, David killed a bear, and you said a lion. Yep and it was it in one sitting <laughs> one, one, all at once I,
1: I guess it was probably probably not one sitting though that would be impressive oh, um, would be make for quite a movie um david and the sheep would yeah. be, actually it might be a good veggie tales i don't know ooh now you're on <laughs> to something
0: well uh ro- rolling into our second animal and and uh, don't be confused by the fact that uh, our first two animals both represent nfl franchises it's, <laughs> it's not cuz we have football in the brain but uh, our second animal is is ravens um ravens unlike some animals in in scripture that you think of and immediately you know exactly what they are meant to represent because it's it's consistent throughout the bible ravens don't just have one single meaning or or significance however they play some unique and interesting roles in scripture Uh, first uh, about ravens in general might interest you to know that ravens are thought to be the most intelligent of birds Uh, they're at one end of the spectrum and. And I hear dodo birds, right, Stephen, are at the other end, and you know, yeah. which explains why there's not too many of them anymore. <laughs> uh, of course, we've come to aso- associate ravens with horror flicks and and such. You'd think what Ed- Edgar Allan Poe, yeah. uh, of course, and uh, you know, and, and uh, evil, villainous uh, football teams like those from Baltimore. <laughs> right. But uh, they're they're a member of the crow family. So the whole family, you know, think about crows and ravens together, kind of share this this dark reputation. In the Bible, the raven appears first as uh, the first bird that Noah sent from the ark when he was searching for dry land when the flood waters are, are beginning to recede. And its intelligence, the raven's intelligence, its remarkable memory might be one of the reasons that Noah chose to use a raven. Um, and and I, my understanding is he had two, right? He had two of everything. So you know, so he had plenty of options of different things to send out. Um, also, ravens can fly for very long, uh, long periods without taking rest. So another reason he might have chose a, a raven. Beyond these simple explanations, we probably don't want to attach any spiritual significance to why the raven appears in Noah's story. maybe may be more of a, a practical thing uh, in that context. Ravens show up again in, in Leviticus, and uh, here we can read some spiritual significance into it. You see, ravens are are scavengers meaning they eat rotten and decaying flesh of uh, dead animals and this and perhaps the simple fact that they are carnivores land them on the list of unclean animals for the jews that appears in leviticus chapter 11. so uh, what it means that they were unclean is that if an israelite were to eat one consume a raven they would be considered unclean and unclean meant that they were unfit to be in god's presence they were Um, kind of out of uh, good standing with God for a certain period of time. Now the last and probably most common notion attached to ravens in the Bible is as a reminder of God's provision. In 1st Kings 17 we find a portion of the story once again of Elijah, the only true prophet remaining in uh, the land at the time, uh, surrounded by a bunch of false prophets and an evil king. And here God has, has Elijah dropped some pretty bad news. On the Israelites he comes and he announces uh, to the king and and the people how God was going to punish them for their sins this is what's going on and then immediately God sends Elijah out into into the wilderness to hide so that no one would come and and out of (coughs) anger for the ugly proclamation he just put out there uh, try and and have him killed so Elijah is told very specific instructions from God he's he's told to go to the Kerith ravine which was a small valley east of the Jordan River with a tiny brook running through it. And Elijah would be provided for there, God tells him, by water from the brook as well as bread and meat that was delivered to him by ravens. God was going to send him uh, food in the mouths of ravens. Remember, ravens are considered unclean to the Israelites. Of course, I don't know too many people who would want to eat food from the mouth of even a a super clean animal. Uh, Who cares if they're clean or unclean, you know, spiritually speaking. But nonetheless, God was providing for his prophet. He was just doing it in this very uh, unusual and specific way. Why ravens? Why was God using ravens? And why have Elijah hunkered down in this tiny little ravine drinking some possibly nasty water from this brook and chewing on stuff a bird just spit out on the ground in front of you? Uh, my feeling, and this is informed by some of the research that I did, is that God wanted to ensure that Elijah remains humble. God loved and cared for him. Um, he he was pouring himself into Elijah as his one and only true prophet left in the land. He would provide for him. He, he'd meet all of his needs. But God was going to do it on his terms. Elijah would be his mouthpiece, and he would say and do some pretty unbelievable things. But he didn't want Elijah get, to get caught up in his celebrity status so to speak he wanted him uh, to remain humble the provision theme is fairly consistent though uh, as three other places in fact in scripture uh, ravens are referred to when talking about god's provisions most famously jesus says in, in luke twelve twenty four, he says consider the ravens they do not sow or reap they have no storeroom or barn yet god feeds them how much more valuable you are than birds so, <laughs> this theme of God providing for us is uh, it seems to to have ravens attached to it in several different instances. So, um, whatever the case, next time you see a raven, and and maybe it'll be um, you know on the ground eating a, a piece of carrion, um, who knows? But but hopefully you'll think something different. You'll be able to uh, process that experience and think about it in, in biblical terms and, and recall some of these stories, and especially maybe uh, instead of thinking about Edgar Allan Poe or uh, the NFL franchise, you'll, you'll think about God's provisions for you and some of the unique ways, uh, such as uh, perhaps not as Elijah experienced through the mouth of a raven, but unique ways that God provides for you and does so in ways to teach you lessons and, and perhaps keep you humble, but also uh, make sure that you are fed and protected and provided for. So this is uh, what perhaps uh, we might draw from, from Ravens. Paul, did I, did I ever tell you my story about a raven, Paul? Um, no, I'm fascinated. All right, sit
1: back, get comfortable. Here it is. Um, so at my last church, um, uh, the last church I was at before this, I was also a youth director there, and I was the last one in the building, the only one in the building, and I was cleaning up and getting everything ready to go, and I'm in the kind of the back of the building, um, back where the kids' classrooms were, so kind of far away from my office, and I'm hearing like this tap tap, <laughs> and I'm like, "What's this coming from?" I'm hearing tap tap, and then I open up the kids' classroom, and the the classrooms were a little below basement level, so the, actually the windows were like on the ground level, um, so there was a raven at the window oh, my. tapping wow. at the window. And I was the only one in the building, so I was freaked out. But now, when that happens, I can think of God's provision that, he, that He's providing for me.
0: Especially um, if it has you know a piece of food in its mouth, <laughs> right, it's trying to hand exactly. over. Uh, didn't didn't say the word nevermore. more. Yeah, yeah, quote no. the raven never wasn't saying that over and over. No, it must wasn't. have been a different one. Yeah, from this. Story. I was
1: pretty flipped out, but yeah. That's now that I've listened to that, I can think of ravens as provision. Here's our next animal on the list is camels. Um, Camels play a significant role in the life of the people during um, Bible times and today um, for those who live in the area. So camels are still highly, highly used a lot in the Middle East um, today as they were then. Um, Camels have an unbelievable ability to survive long, hot trips and carry heavy burdens. Um, The name camel actually comes from the Hebrew word gamel, which is is just a G instead of a C, um, which translates as carries a he- carries a burden. Um, they are perfectly designed for a desert landscape with big um padded feet, muscular horse like body, and a hump of fat to sustain life on long journeys. It kind of describes Paul, but um oh, wow. <laughs>
0: Wow, we're really uh, loosening really up here, Steve.
1: A matter of fact, a way to measure someone's wealth was <laughs> was how many camels um, they had. So, like, you matter of fact, you might have, like when Job, when they mentioned Job's wealth, they mentioned how many camels he had, or even Abraham's wealth, they mentioned how many camels he had. Um, so, how many camels do you have, Paul?
0: Last check, I, yeah. I have zero. Okay, camels, I don't. So I don't have any either. Yeah, so we're I'm both not on the list at all. <laughs>
1: Neither one of us are considered wealthy. Um, what well, can make the case that without camels um, in the life of the Middle East, it'd be life in the Middle East would be very difficult without camels because camels carried the heavy loads for the people in the Middle East for thousands of years. Um, you could almost consider camels as perhaps like the semis of the desert. Um, camels also provided clothing. For like John the Baptist, he wore camel clothing. I would imagine that would be super itchy. Um, especially camel, like whitey tidies would be itchy. Yeah,
0: think, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> it depends on whether you wear them inside out or. Inside right. out. But certainly, yeah, itchy.
1: Exactly. Um, and their milk is a pr- is prized in the Middle East, and their meat is a delicacy. Though, however, camels were considered an unclean animal for the Jews to eat, so they couldn't eat camels um camels are mentioned 47 times in scripture and it would be easy to say that even though camels are only mentioned 47 times they are in the background and i'm an active in the going-ons in israel in old and new testament so just there's camels always there (laughs) um you could describe camels again like i said earlier, like kind of ships or the semis of the desert Many times when camels are mentioned in the Bible, it's for the purpose of traveling and carrying things for people for the people of Israel. Um, camels are camels are also known to have really bad tempers, and can hold grudges and can be hard to control sometimes. Um, so this is going to be a great story, Paul. You'll like this. Oh. Um, it's a word of warning to anyone who has a camel. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, if you own a camel, now is the time. Now is the time out. to listen. Yeah.
1: In um, doing research for this podcast, uh, a book that Paul let me borrow, um, there is a story about a zookeeper who took care of camels, but he was not nice to one of the particular camels um, in, in the exhibit, and he would always tease the camel. And uh, the zookeeper would tease him, so the, the camel, um, at one point, was got tired of being teased by the zookeeper. I don't know if this is funny or not, but he actually attacked the zookeeper, um, and very much nearly killed him. Um, and the camel, they had to be rescued out of the out of the camel exhibit. Um, but the camel went on a rampage and nearly killed him. So they, it's camels are known to have um, bad temper. A matter of fact, that's um, mentioned in Jeremiah that thus. Um Jeremiah describes the sins of israel's israel's sin as saying that they're it's swift like a she camel running wild, so in other words <laughs> it 's like sin among the people of Israel is like a camel running wild um because they're really hard to tame once they are out of um, control yeah, out of control, yeah. I guess, but I mean, I guess you don 't want to tempt any animal, whether it 's a camel or not, you really don 't want to. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could probably get away with it with smaller creatures. Yeah. But you know, either way it's not nice to no, tease. No. Yeah, yeah. But it it's interesting you picture these beasts of burden, especially in that area, like they none of there's nothing clamorous about any of them. Mm-hmm. And I I suppose there's probably a uh, biblical message behind that, but you got camels, you got yeah. you got donkeys, right? Yeah. um and and they're incredibly useful faithful yeah. trustworthy creatures but nothing glamorous uh to no. look at them i'm trying to picture how a camel would attack somebody don't they spit isn't that yeah, something s-
1: spit bite stomp i mean they're heavy they're big animals and they, they weigh don't. several hundred pounds so and uh, seeing them i don't know if you've seen one face to face i've seen one and they're really they're big it's almost i don't know if anyone's ever watched national Geographic. you kind of get this sense you don't really get a sense of how big the animals are until you actually see them in yeah. person you're like wow these are really big yeah they're uh,
0: up there they're, they're pretty tall yeah. Um uh, fact that because i've been blessed to, to go to the holy land a couple of times through the church here yeah. um at least two of those trips we've encountered somebody uh selling camel rides and in fact, I, I think one of our trips, the entire theme of the trip was uh, camels. Everybody talking about camels, couldn't wait to see the camels. They wanted a picture with the camel. Uh, but watching <laughs> somebody ride a camel is a, a very awkward thing because yeah. uh, getting up and down, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you mount them when they're down on uh, their knees essentially yeah. or down flat on their stomachs and then. Um, and then watching them stand up, you know you, you, the rider is tilted almost completely sideways i i don 't know how uh they don 't fall off, but uh it is something to see it's it 's a little different than watching somebody you know climb on a, a pony or something <laughs> yeah, of this sort exactly but uh it this was, was part of it's it's we talked uh uh in our last series about historical context this is part of the context of the the bible times camels. Like you said, we're everywhere. So right. now, every time I read right. the Bible, I'm going to picture a camel in the background <laughs> every story. Right. Which is that's, the,
1: yeah, that's I didn't think right. about camels having to stand up that way. Um, and then, kind of closing this out, the last, the, probably the one of the most famous mentions of camels in scripture is Jesus, Jesus' parable that it's easier for the rich, um, mm-hmm. uh, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. Um, So one way of interpreting it, I hadn't thought about this, is that some say that Jesus in this parable could be speaking of a a camel that was trying to fit into a low gate in Jerusalem. So like through through the Jerusalem wall, there could be a really low gate that the camel has to—you have to take everything off the camel, the camel has to kneel, and then have to crawl through the gate um, that the camel really wouldn't make if it had all the— Um, Burdens on it and stuff so the camel had to crawl on its knees to get through the gate in a sense saying that um, in order for a rich man to come to heaven um, you have to get rid of your burdens lower your pride and have humility um, and coming to the Lord on your knees so I I hadn't thought about it that way Um, but yeah that's probably one of the most famous passages of scripture so about when it comes to camels (laughs) no,
0: not not period not
1: not period that's a good one though
0: yeah, I, I had heard that uh, explanation before of that that line in scripture, and I know that it's something scholars debate back and forth as as to whether that's a real thing or yeah. not. But uh, yeah, you know, the thought is that there was a a gate, you know, uh, one entryway into the city of Jerusalem that that was nicknamed the needle because of how small it was, and then you had, you know picture this this tall camel loaded down with uh, gear trying to fit through that that gate and um the you know for for the image that it brings to mind the most important piece i think is the the humbling act of having to kneel you know get down on uh and lower yourself to to enter into the the gate itself which in this context is like the passageway to god's kingdom so uh it's really whether it's whether it's true to to life or not you know the historical fact it's a really really neat image that it creates for us um so, enough on camels, we move <laughs> yeah, on to uh, yeah. let's move on to to wolves wolves oh. uh, all right so so wolves are are one of only a few animals in scripture that are never really cast in a, a positive light so they, they definitely uh play the bad guy more often than not in scripture. They also happen to be my my favorite animal i don 't know if you know that about me nope. Stephen. so then, um, uh... I don't know really what that says about about me but I'm kind of conflicted about the role that they play in Scripture uh, but throughout Scripture and especially by Jesus in the Gospels wolves are, are cast as a terrible threat to the health and, and faithfulness of God's people since God's people as we know in, in Scripture are often cast as sheep and wolves are, are always after the sheep this makes even more sense uh, so why are wolves chosen to represent the greatest threats To Jesus's followers, what is it about wolves uh, that make sure that they play that role beautifully? For one, they are powerful. Uh, Many people don't know the bite uh, of a wolf is twice as powerful as that of the strongest uh, of dogs. They can tear through just about anything. They have uh, also have incredible endurance. They've been known to travel uh, about forty-five miles a day when hunting uh, in packs. And uh, you know, I've I have backpacked uh, with packs before. Is that a little different? But uh, you've backpacked with packs before on my back, a pack on oh, my okay, back. Yeah, is okay. that the same? Yeah, yeah. Probably a little different. But I don't think I went 45 miles. Maybe 4.5 <laughs> miles. Is what, but uh, uh, 45 miles on average is, is what they say. One particular pack of wolves in Siberia is documented as having traveled 125 miles in one day. Uh, i've had cars that wouldn't make it 125 miles in a day so wolves are tireless they, they have endurance they don't wear down and finally they're persistent uh, when they set their sights on their prey they will see it through the, to the end one way or another and if you've read the story of the three little pigs um, you know this this lesson all too well so as one of the greatest villains in the bible wolves are used to represent false prophets to represent corrupt teachings uh, temptations that lure us in, people in our lives who disrupt the unity of, of God's faithful people. Uh, so wolves, we're, we're taught to believe, are are everywhere. They're they are not a threat to take lightly. So attaching the image of a wolf to all of these these various threats in our lives, knowing everything we know about wolves, helps us appreciate uh, how severe, how how serious those threats are uh, that we deal with on a day to day basis because. Uh, the Bible describes them and, and helps us uh, see a wolf, um, the image of a wolf in each of those instances. So, if this if, if this person in my life, for example, is a bad influence, or maybe this this bottle of liquor in my cabinet is a, a serious temptation for me, if those things are the equivalent of a wolf, I know um, that God is telling me, man, look out! You know, these are these are serious threats, not something to to be messed around with. Um, and uh, if I'm the helpless lamb, you know, once again, uh, standing up against a, a ferocious wolf, then I know how desperate I am for outside strength and outside source of, of help and rescue to deal with the situation. Another reference to wolves that deserves mentioning is from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. Uh, many of you may remember the passage that seeks to illustrate the way things will be when Jesus returns and God's kingdom reigns supreme. That includes the phrase the lion will lie down with the lamb are you familiar with this one Steven yep yeah actually it, it doesn't say that did you know that it doesn't actually uh, no, say that I uh, so I was a little shocked by that too. the lion um, actually went and stole the wolf's thunder because the passage actually refers to wolves not lions there is no passage in scripture that describes a lion And a lamb physically lying down together but there is one about a wolf and a lamb the message being that that in God's kingdom those things that threatens God's sovereignty and peace uh, when Jesus returns and when God's kingdom takes full hold over the earth those things that were once threats uh, will no longer hold any power over us so God's kingdom will flip everything upside down on its head such that the greatest predator and the most helpless uh prey can live side by side in peace you know so which is something that not only are we we taught to be uh excited about that possibility down the road but we're also taught to actively seek that out and and um live in a manner that that brings that into reality not that uh, we have wolves and sheep hang out together but yeah. that you know people who are uh in positions of helplessness and and uh maybe isolation and and being dumped upon there they're lifted up and uh trying to find justice that helps all people find uh, balance and, and uh, equality um, when it comes to issues of justice and and uh receiving and experiencing god's love so uh that's where wolves fit into yeah. to scripture uh some fascinating stuff
1: yeah it's really good and um i think your your mention of um, the three little pigs and the wolf is just a perfect segue (laughs) into my last creature for this podcast recording pigs Mm. um pigs or swine in the bible it's kind of similar wolves are never really mentioned in a positive light other than when god created all the creatures he called them good so um wow i never thought about that even
0: like snakes and wolves they're they're good at least for the moment yeah
1: um so yeah you know the bible doesn't refer to pigs that much in positive light and i think most of the times when it mentions pigs too it's referring to wild pigs that lived in the area um, though the canaanites in the old testament kept wild pigs uh, but under the, again under the mosaic law pigs were classified as unclean and forbidden to eat um, pigs in the bible are never as i said never really shown in a positive light um pigs are symbolize again god when he created all creatures are good but pigs are symbolized and portrayed in a negative light um for example in isaiah chapter 66 verse 17 it says um, of those who eat the flesh of pigs and rats and other abominable things they will um, meet um, they will meet their end together declares the lord and also Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 8 says that Israel should not eat the meat or even touch the carcass of pigs. So um, if you have a bacon in your hand right now, you might want to put that down. But hold on. The good news is coming. Um, now there could be a particular reason for this, though. Um Out of all the animals that humans eat, pigs are one of the most disease-ridden, which I did not know, especially if it was a pig out in the wild. Um, Pigs literally eat about anything. They eat roots from the ground. They eat all manners of vegetables and fruits. But they also eat rodents and mice and rats and birds and snakes, um, both poisonous and non-poisonous snakes. So the term "you eat like a pig" takes on a different meaning because pigs literally eat anything. (laughs) So, um, and you don't really see many National Geographic shows on pigs, but I did see one, and they do eat everything. So
0: wow, they showed the pig eating everything. Yes, (laughs) must have been quite an episode. Yes.
1: So I I guess when I think of pigs, since being American, I just don't think of wild pigs, but there actually are wild pigs or boars, I guess you put them. Right. i just don't think about it that way um so they eat anything so this means that they they eat, even eat things kind of like what the ravens they even eat things that have died of disease um so and one so we can pigs um we're liable to get disease from pigs and one of them is tapeworms um and obviously you can and tapeworm is really bad because then it it gets in your body and it grows and it, not good. <laughs> um, you can also get swine flu, a potential fatal virus from pigs. Um, with the pig being a scavenger, an ancient uh, a scavenger, it means it, it's potentially dangerous and disease-ridden. Um, pigs are also symbolized in paganism and uncleanliness, as I said earlier. Um, the prodigal son, um, if you remember the prodigal son and Luke, um, when he resorted to tending to the swine or tending to the pigs, it points to the lowest point um, that the prodigal son could have fallen. So when the Jews are listening to the prodigal son and Jesus says that the youngest son, when he was feeding with the pigs or tending to the pigs, you can imagine the Jews when they're listening to the story, they're gonna be like, oh, just take a gasp, like, oh my goodness, he's with the pigs. You know, that's that's kind of like the picture of that that Jesus is trying to get across to, like, hey, he fell to the bottom of the bottom. And then yet when he comes to the father, the father runs after him. And again, you can imagine that contrast of like the youngest son eating with pigs and then he comes to the father and the father welcomes him back. It's like this huge contrast of the lowest of lows and the highest of highs being, the high being the the love of the father. Um, So, and also, of course, we were kind of familiar with the famous story of Jesus casting out the demons into the pigs and um, the pigs running off into the water and drowning. Um, and, and in that passage it shows that pigs pigs were common in that area for uh, for Greeks and Romans, but not common for Jews. Um, but in that passage it shows that um, the pigs ran off the cliff when the demons possessed them. So that's one of the more famous stories about pigs. but here's the good news so you can pick up your bacon again. In Acts chapter 10 verses 9 through 16 God declares all animals clean so um, it's important to know that even though pigs were considered unclean for ancient Jews um, God um, considered all these things made pure um, when he showed the blanket before Peter without all these unclean animals on it so um, you can
0: eat your bacon. And then when you go home tonight, Stephen, you can walk up to your fish tank and you can look <laughs> at it you can say, I declare you all clean. Right. Is exactly. it a, Yeah, maybe not. No, it's, uh, you know, pigs are, now that you rattle off all the stories in, in one setting here that they appear in scripture, uh, they are really, they play an interesting role, don't they? Um, yeah. And I obviously it's not so much about you know whether at least uh, in in our minds from a Christian perspective we we believe it's not about um, whether you eat pork or not. It's All more right. so about uh, this notion of purity, right? right. God declares certain things yeah. to be healthy for us and certain yeah. things to be unhealthy or, or impure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, describing the prodigal son, you, you're absolutely right. That has got to be the rock bottom of all rock bottoms, because yeah. not only is he hanging out with pigs, he's feeding them. He's sustaining the life of an in, impure and unclean animal. But he's mm-hmm. doing it clearly while employed by a, a foreigner, right, yeah. which was yeah. not, uh, not a, a good thing for Jews to be interacting and, and overly engaged with. Uh, people who didn't worship their god and and were you know so he was employed by a foreigner and he was doing so uh uh taking care of and and feeding an unclean animal um and unclean in all sorts of different ways you know for those who have spent much time with pigs (laughs) uh, you know if we have people earlier that have pet camels i suppose it's possible (laughs) some of you (laughs) hang out with pigs a lot too i don't know so um I think that's uh, that's good for today, but we'll uh, whet your appetite next week. Uh, we're going to come back with a, f- a few more animals and continue on this this uh, thread. Um, I'm going to talk to you about ostriches next week. Uh, so oh. if you want to do any research in advance, uh, <laughs> feel free. And about donkeys, uh, ostriches oh. and donkeys. Yeah. So just a few more of the, the more majestic and uh, beautiful <laughs> creatures of uh the the ancient uh middle eastern territories so um with that being said we are going to sign off and uh, in doing so just a reminder that uh we we love to interact with you we'd love to see you in any way shape and form we understand right now um as we say every week we're not in ideal scenarios where we get to to see you all every week and greet you as you come and go from the church building. Um, those who we haven't seen in months, we we uh, desperately miss and, and are open and, and anxious to any opportunity to interact. So uh, we hope listeners, uh, feel free to leave us a, a message or a comment uh, however you'd like on the uh, podcast uh, in the comment field. Um, let us know how you're doing. Let us know uh, what you think of the podcast and how we can improve. And uh, hopefully we'll have other opportunities to engage too as you call me either to our uh, chapel service. Um, I call it the chapel service because it's in the same time slot, even though it's out in the back parking lot, 8.30 every Sunday, 10 o'clock uh, in person in the sanctuary. And uh, in case you haven't heard the, the great news, our 11.30 uh, harbor service is uh, in an adapted form, is back in person this Sunday as well, as we're inviting folks to gather in a different space in the church in Wesley Hall. Uh, to view on a projector and screen um, the, the service that is being live streamed from uh, Beacon Hall from a different location in the service. For those who are not familiar with our church building, uh, don't be concerned with the complexity of that description. Just know that uh, if you come at 11:30 this week, there's an opportunity to, to join with other folks in worship uh, as you take in the live stream um, within the church building. So all of that being said, Uh, We are are signing off. We wish you all a very good week, and we'll come back uh, next week with with more Animals of the Bible. Take care, friends. Keep practicing your ostrich voice, Paul. (laughs) I'll be ready.